All right. <clears throat> what are you talking about? Assume I know nothing. Well, you, you, well, you do, but like. Do I know? Do I know nothing? Kind of. Oh. I mean, it's like a bunch of. Okay. What are you guys? What are you guys learning about? Don't look at me. I don't know. I know you weren't here. You have an excuse. I, you weren't here. You have an excuse. I don't remember. You don't remember? Okay, I'll give. I'll jog your memory. <laughs> First, we learned about the number one. First, let's alone. There we go. Oh. That's alone. That's alone. <laughs> All right. So we are on part three. Which is actually chapter two, but Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Acts, Romans, first and second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. First and second Thessalonians. I'm coming! Oh wait, I refer to it. All the T's are together in the New Testament. First and second Thessalonians, Titus, Timothy. Okay. Um Who wrote it? Come on, Bible scholars. I can't find it. You don't need to find it to know who wrote it. Wait, did you say Paul? Was it Paul? Paul, yes. The Apostle Paul. Wow. You're on a roll. All right, let's hey, keep going. We talked about him on Sunday, though. Um, so what is Paul's story up to the point where he's in Thessalonica? Where does Paul start? It is two weeks ago, yes. Yeah. So Phoebe and Dylan do not have excuses anymore. Well, I can't find it. Uh, Where are you? In Acts. Keep going. Like, halfway of what you have left. Where are you now? Colossians. Keep going. Found it. Oh. Is it 1st Thessalonians? 1st Thessalonians. Okay, so I Tell me about Paul. I don't know where it was, but, but I think it was the, uh, it was the, it was the, the, the green sea there. And then yep. Oh, are you thinking about the map? Do you guys have a map in your Bible? I, I'm going to refrain from drawing it because it'll be terrible. But the last map in my Bible is the missionary journeys of Paul. Wait, I've got to find it. The Med Sea. The Dead Sea, the Red Sea, and the Sea of Galilee. Red Sea, Dead Sea, Sea of Galilee, the Jordan River connects them. There's the Nile down here, right? And so this is Asia Minor and the Peloponnesian Peninsula. You guys remember that word? Yes. <clears throat> it's basically what? Greece. Yes. All right. And that's the area that Paul is traveling around, and Thessalonica is actually in Greece. All right. So he's a little ways away from home. Um, before he got to Thessalonica, where was he? Uh, 
He ended up in jail. Oh yeah, and they were singing, and all the jail, like him and his friend, they were like in What's the- his friend's name? Silas. Good job. Yep. And they were singing in a jail cell, and then all the jail cells broke open, and if the prisoners would have escaped, the guy would have got killed, the guy that takes care of yeah. the prison that lives there. Do you know where this was, where this happened? It was in the jail. Uh, the city of... Uh, with the jail. You're close. Philippi. It's another book in the Bible, guys. Philippi. The city of Philippi. Oh, oh not Phoebe. <laughs> Philippi. Um, but then, then the, the jail cell guy was like, oh no. Yeah. And they were like, don't worry, they're all in their cells. And then the jail cell was like, come in my house. Right, and essentially they, they let him out because he was a Roman citizen. And they whipped him without a trial. And that's a big no-no. Right. Um, okay. So, what'd you talk about last week with Eric? We talked about your <laughs> aunt Paul on the bus too. We did. <laughs> we did. <laughs> Should have been on bus two. Bus two was the better bus. Anyhow. Bus one was. You weren't even there. You were supposed. <laughs> you were here. <laughs> you weren't here last Sunday. Last Sunday. Yeah. You're, you're probably here almost every Sunday. No, not every Sunday. Okay. Well, anyhow, uh, Eric asked you guys a question. Yeah. What do you want to do when you get older? With your life. Your life. Ha! I wasn't even here and I knew that. <laughs> All right. That was his question. And uh, so we, he started going through chapter 1 of Thessalonians. Um, and essentially, what do you want to do with your life? You guys are close to that age where you need to start thinking about that. Or if not, you're there. And so essentially, what uh, the chapter 1 of Thessalonians pointed us toward is God chose each of us to do something, right? So what do you want to do with your life? We should want to do what God as planned. Okay? And essentially it talks about how Paul was an example of doing God's work for the Thessalonians. And then when Paul left, because Paul had to leave pretty quickly, he was only there like three weeks uh, before he got kicked out, the the Thessalonians picked up and were an example of what a Christian church should be for all of Greece and Asia Minor, all right? So that was last week. So tell me more about Paul. Just facts that you learned from other classes. Okay, I don't know if it's the right Paul. Look at this. He used to be called Saul. Okay. Is that the right Paul? There you go, yeah. Yay! Good job, dude. Come on, Bible scholars. But, but, quick, um, quick hits. He got blinded. Okay. When he was Saul. Blinded on the road to Damascus. Yes. Damascus Quick hits, come on. Tell me more. Tell me more. Okay. Uh, 
Keep going. I said all three of those. I know, so I'm not looking at you. Where was he born? Paul of? Yeah, no. No. He was born in a city called Tarsus. You know where Tarsus is? No. Not in Israel. Oh. Alright, it's in Asia Minor. Oh, he's not an Israelite. Hmm? He's not an Israelite. Mm. He became one. Mm. Alright, we're going to get into that a little bit. But this, he was born in Tarsus, which is a Roman-controlled city. And that's how he got his Roman citizenship. Because he was born there. But what happened is his family yeah. uh, was taken from Israel up there as slaves. And then he was they were freed and then he was released there. That's kind of what we think. That's how his family got to Tarsus. So he is of Jewish descent. Yeah. He is actually of the tribe of Benjamin. Okay, so he's in Tarsus. Um, he's a Jew, right? We know that. Um, how was he educated? Was he just any Joe Schmo off the street? No. Okay. What do you guys know? Eventually he ends up going to Jerusalem and he was educated as a Pharisee. What, what are some Pharisees that we know? Who are some Pharisees we know? Those guys that killed Jesus? Those were Pharisees. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm asking. All right. So he's of that, that educational classification, all right? He actually was educated by this super famous rabbi by the name of Gamaliel. Gamaliel? Gamaliel. G-A-M-A-L-I-E-L. Gamaliel. All right. So this guy's pretty smart. Uh, so when you're educated as a Pharisee, you're basically a Jewish lawyer. So that's going to be important because when sometimes, sometimes when Paul writes, it seems like he's talking like a lawyer. Have you ever get, like read contracts that were written by a lawyer? No. Well, basically, they're, they're hard to read. Like at the top of contracts, they have like this section called definitions. And they basically like define all of these words that they're going to use later in the contract. <laughs> and so like words that you normally would think mean this... They can redefine to mean something completely different. And in the scope of that contract, they don't mean their normal definition. And so they can like twist your mind around. It's really crazy. So uh, lawyer speak is tough. Okay. But if we put our thinking caps on, we can get through it. Okay. So have you guys ever heard of ethos, logos, and pathos? No. No? You guys aren't there in English class yet? No. Ethos, logos, and pathos. We don't learn about this in English. You should. Are those like grammar things or like. They are. So this is. They, they are Greek words, okay? So Greeks in this time, everybody thinks they're the most logical people ever. And so. 
uh, they follow their practices. So ethos, logos, and pathos are the three things that the Greeks believed constructed the perfect argument. Okay? So when Paul writes his letters, he's using these, okay, because he's highly educated, so we can kind of analyze what he's saying by knowing what these are. All right? So ethos is an ethical appeal. What does this mean? This is essentially him trying to build credibility, right? So it's the author or the speaker building credibility. What is credibility? Um, something that comes against you. Nope. I mean, towards you. So, um, there's two doctors standing in front of you, Phoebe. One is dressed in a lab coat, and the other one has like a dirty face and dripped jeans and and a stained shirt. Which one do you want to treat you? Which one automatically, just by their clothing, has more credibility? The lab coat one. Correct. All right. So this is him building up, like the audience's opinion of him, okay? Because I, you could tell me a really great argument, but if I don't trust you, then I'm not gonna listen to your argument anyway, right? So that's what ethos is. It's giving the reader or the listener reasons to trust your opinion, all right? What do you think logos is? Um, Sounds like? Logos. Not Legos. No, I, I didn't say Legos, I said logos. <laughs> Like, it's a logical appeal. Oh, I was gonna say like something like a picture. All right, so logical appeal. Um, essentially, it's just saying if this and this, then this, right? So you're gonna get a lot of factual statements. And, you know, summating logic together. What do you think pathos is? What's left? What's the last type of appeal? Pathological appeal. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> pathos is emotional. Oh. Emotional appeal. All right. Uh, have you ever seen those commercials where they're showing you pictures of cats and dogs in really terrible living conditions yeah. and they're asking for you to donate money in a voiceover? They're using pathos <laughs> to try and get your money. All right, they're That's appealing. So sad. Exactly, Abby, it works. Abby used to cry during those commercials, and Abby doesn't cry. I know, like so. This is pathos works really well. So you're very motivated by a pathos appeal. All right. <laughs> I'm sure not. I'm sure that's like there really are terrible living conditions, and it, they're doing great work. Like they're, you know, it's just so sad. It is sad. All right. So I just wanted you to know this because I wanted to give you a nice lesson. But anyhow, uh, we're going to look at a section of Paul's letter to the Thessalonians where he defends his ethos. Okay. So what does that mean? He looks great. He's going to try and build up his reputation. And what we think is, essentially, from the time that Paul left Thessalonica, 
The enemies of the church came in and tried to bash Paul in any way they could think of to essentially discredit the church. Right? So we're gonna he wrote a letter to say, No, that's not really what happened, and this is why. Alright. Thessalonians, first Thessalonians chapter. Chapter two. Yep, yep. Um, I might have a question for you first. Let's see here. Back to my notes. Actually, I already gave you the answer. Anyhow, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1, please. For yourselves, brethren, know our entrance in unto you, that it was not in vain. All right. What does in vain normally mean? Bam! Nope. Like, to do it, like, in a mean way. Nope. Like, in a bad way. Nope. Have you guys ever heard of a vanity? Okay, what are you doing when you look at yourself? So, uh, vain can mean like self-absorbed. So then what does it mean to say the Lord's name in vain? Well, as to take the Lord, essentially, it also has a, a similar meaning as, as worthless. Oh. Okay. So they call it a vanity. It, it's, you know, there's no problem with using a vanity or looking at a vanity. But uh, they call it a vanity because it's, it's working on your appearance and what really matters is what's on the inside. That's, that's why they call it a vanity. Um, so in vain means worthless, all right? So if Paul is saying... Uh, Him coming to Thessalonica was not worthless. What is he talking about? Is he talking about it, you know, the result of his missionary trip or the character of his missionary trip? Any guesses? What would be the result of his missionary trip? A lot of people would know about God. Right, he would set up a church in Thessalonica. Did he do that? Yeah. Yes. So he's not talking about the result. He's talking about the character of his, his mission, okay? So Paul is defending the character of his ministry, and Paul essentially what Paul is saying is, I'm not a salesman. I'm not here to sell God and go around profiteering from his ministry. It has legitimate value, all right? And so that's his first statement and kind of introduction into, hey, we're going to talk about the character of my ministry and why it matters and why all of the things that you've said bad about me are wrong, all right? So we're going to make a list of things that we kind of think the enemy said about Paul. As we go through this. Verse 2. But even after that they had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as you know, at Philippi, we were bold in God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much 
contention. All right. So this is the first way that people were trying to discredit Paul. They essentially said, uh, Paul has a police record. Right? He went to jail in Philippi. He can't be doing good things. But Paul says that despite this hardship, he continued to preach the gospel. Right? He's kind of hinting at this thought that if, uh, you know, why would somebody continue to preach through all of that adversity if they're not the real deal? Right? Does that kind of make sense? That's, that's his argument here. Bless you. <laughs> um, so, essentially, that's how he's saying it doesn't matter that I have a police record. And we know, because we read the story, that he shouldn't have been taken into jail in the first place. All right? Uh, but this is his refutation. Do you know what refutation means? Or to refute? Nope. Refute means to prove wrong. Um, okay? So that's, he's saying, <clears throat> normal people, if they would go to jail and they were just trying to make some money, would give up after going to jail. But because he is working for the Lord, he's not going to give up. Next verse. We're going to keep going through verse 5. 3 through 5. says covetousness covetousness god is witness all right so we've got kind of a list of arguments that people are trying to use here to discredit paul looking at verse three uh mine says error instead of that word that you had mallory uh so if he was speaking in error people would say paul is delusional Um, and then we, what's the next one? We have uncleanness is what mine says. Uncleanliness. uncleanliness. All right. So this isn't like, oh, Paul's, Paul's dirty. He needs to go take a shower. It's uh, uncleanliness in terms of like the moral sense. Right? So in other words, they're saying Paul's ministry has bad motives. Uh, and then the next one is deceit. What's deceit? Oh, like you don't like somebody. Nope. We got some tough words here today. Deceit. You need one of those definition things. A dictionary? No, that are at the beginning. Oh, a, def a definition clause? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, so deceit is where you lie to somebody or, or lead them astray. Okay? So, uh... They're saying Paul deliberately deceives people. Well, 
Uh, and in verse 4, Paul specifically says that the words he speaks are not for the goal of pleasing men. Right? What would that mean? Oh, they're not meant, like, they're, they're for God to be happy. Absolutely. So that he's partially refuting what they're saying here, but he, uh, we can also kind of read between the lines and understand that the enemies of the church are saying, Paul just tells you what you want to hear. So what is Paul's rebuttal? You know what a rebuttal is? Exactly. It's all there in 3, 4, 5. Paul basically says that his message is always the same. So it doesn't change at when he's talking to different people. He doesn't use flowery language to attract people. Obviously, he wants to you know, make the gospel sound as good as it is. But he's not like lying to people or anything like that. He's not deceiving anybody. And then he says that his motive is to please God. Right? That's what we said for Phoebe. Not men. Yes. And that's why, you know, he has these enemies in the first place because he, his goal is to not please, or his goal is to please God, which essentially means men aren't going to be happy. All right, next two verses. Six and seven, please. For nor men, nor men sought me glory, neither of you nor yet of others, when we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, even as the nurse chair her children. All right, so mine says, and it's a little more clear, in verse 6, mine says, Nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others, when we might have made demands as apostles of Christ. Is that a little easier to understand? Hmm? What does speak mean? Oh, I thought you said speak. Oh, speak. I'm sorry. Uh, so what are the arguments against Paul here? Saying we didn't seek glory. So they're saying that Paul just wants personal glory. So he's just doing it for himself. And then from verse 7... Even verse 6 into 7, like, he, you know, he's mentioning, like, yeah, we told you guys that there are some things that you have to do. That was probably, like, telling them that they had to do communion, right? Not, he's not trying to be a dictator, right? He was gentle with them and kind. So Paul just wants to be a dictator, is another argument. So they're attacking his character here, right? They're trying to damage his ethos. So Paul's argument against these negative claims is that he was always spreading the gospel. His message does not waver, again, and that there is never any cruelty in his message. Uh, remember what Pastor Eric said last week? 
You'll never get anybody to believe by threatening them, right? Said, gave an example of believe in, in Christ or I'll punch you in the face, right? That's not going to ever work. Uh, so, of course, Paul didn't use violence to spread the gospel. Uh, so let's keep going. Uh, verse 8 through 12, please. So being affectionately desirous of you who were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but, only it, but, it, but also our own souls, because ye would do others. For ye remember, brethren, our labor and toil. This is what mine says. It says it's like okay. For laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable unto any of you, we preach unto you the gospel of God. Verse 10. We are witness, witnesses, and God also how coldly and just justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe. As ye know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you, as a father doth his children. That ye would walk worthy of God who hath called you unto his kingdom and and all right, so Paul is saying to the church at Thessalonica, you were there. They were there uh, and watched Paul and Silas during those three weeks when they first set up the church. You were there, uh, and you saw how Paul and Silas behaved. Uh, and so when Paul and Silas were in Thessalonica, this, these couple verses actually tells us that they had day jobs. They were working in the market and making money so that they could buy their own food. So they're definitely not making money off of this venture, right? They're, nobody's taking care of them. They're not getting free lodging or anything like that. So they were paying for their own food, which makes all of these arguments about personal gain and wrong intentions kind of fall away, right? So to sum it all up, by relying on God for his safety and care, Paul was able to refute all of the claims against him uh, and against the integrity of his ministry. Let's keep going. Verse 13. We'll stop at 16. For this cause also thank we, God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth. The word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. For ye, brethren, became followers of churches of God, which in Judah are in Christ Jesus. For ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews, who both killed the Lord Jesus and their own uh, own prophets, and have persecuted us, and they believe not God, and are contrary to all men. For bidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they might have saved us to fill up their sins all the way for wrath is come upon them 
All right. So at this point, Paul shifts his topic slightly. He's fully defended his ministry, his ethos, and now switches to being thankful for the Thessalonians who took up the torch and continued the work of the church once he left. Uh, so much like he made enemies while he was doing the ministry, the Thessalonians also made enemies and they were persecuted for their beliefs, just like the Jews. Uh, so the Jews in Thessalonica were actually attacking Christians and like preventing them from buying things and, and persecuting them in other ways, just like the Jews were persecuting Christians back in Israel. So Paul gives the Thessalonians, uh, the Thessalonian Christians hope in verse 16 there, he says, uh, but wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. What this essentially means is God will indeed take care of the those who persecute you. All right, He's not going to let it go unnoticed. So it's kind of a reminder to us that it's not our place to fight back and that we should just trust that God is good and he's got a plan. So let's finish up. Keep going at verse 17 through the end of the chapter. But we, brethren, being taken from your, from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored the more abundantly to see your face with great desire. Wherefore we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once again. But Satan hindered us. But what is our hope? Or joy or crown of rejoicing are not even we in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ and or Jesus Christ at his coming. Twenty four ye are are or glory in joy. You got two verses in there. Oh, okay. is a very short verse. Yes. Okay. You're good. Dylan's upset though. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that last verse again is for you are our glory and joy. Okay. So you didn't even have to read it. No, I didn't. No. <laughs> I didn't even realize that that was. The next verse. You're good. It it is a little weird, like the way it kind of fits in my Bible as well. So Paul reminds us that despite this persecution, we can have joy and peace in each other when we're in the presence of the Lord. And he says that's how he gets through. He wants to be back in Thessalonica with the church. So we finished up the chapter. We've talked a lot about Paul and him defending the character of his ministry, his ethos, right? But my question for you, the tough question of the day is, what are we supposed to get from this chapter? Um, that what we do should be for man, it should be for God, no matter what other people say. Okay. Connect that to what we learned last week, or what we reviewed. When you make that choice to do what God has called you to do, sometimes there's going to be obstacles, right? Little persecutions or large-scale persecutions, right? What are some examples of some small persecutions? Maybe just somebody making fun of you for your beliefs in class or anything. You know, anybody got some other examples? It's all right if you don't, but just, just think about that, right? So it sometimes being persecuted is not like physical abuse or, or you know, 
them preventing you from buying things or, or killing you, right? It could be little things. So uh, when you make that choice, sometimes, you know, Satan is going to set up walls and be against you. However, we can know that we're right. And as long as we act justly, you know, and always have God on our side, we can always refute any argument like that, any of those little persecutions. Uh, so there's, and then there's also no reason to retaliate against those persecutions. God will deal with all of that, right? It's not our place. And then we can always draw strength from God and from our church family, right? That's where our joy and, fit and hope is. All right. Any questions? That's all I got. Thanks, guys.